Welcome to Illumin America, a podcast created by the U.S. Baha'i Office of Public Affairs. Hello and welcome to our third episode. For those new around here, my name is James Mimi Farr, and Illumin America is a podcast that explores constructive solutions to some of the country's most pressing social issues. Our guest today is Kate Schmidgall, the founder of Bittersweet Monthly, which is a magazine that presents what they call a counter-narrative to traditional stories about social issues and social change. Bittersweet recently released a manifesto in which they committed to three values, refusing cynicism, defying apathy, and celebrating the good. I had such a good time talking to Kate about it that I got a little carried away with the time, and so we're going to split my conversation with her into two episodes. Here's the first. Thanks very much for joining us today, Kate. You know, I've been a big admirer of Bittersweet ever since I came across the magazine earlier last year. But for our listeners, I was wondering if you could give a brief introduction to Bittersweet and its distinctive approach to storytelling. Absolutely. Bittersweetmonthly.com is an online magazine that elevates the work of nonprofits around the world who are solving critical social issues in interesting ways. We have built a group of contributors, of creative professionals who volunteer their time and talent to tell those stories, simply because we think this narrative needs to exist. We all appreciate learning about the social issues and the intractable conflicts that we kind of inherit and also have created. But we find that in the mainstream story and news channels, it's, um, it's harder to find the celebration aspect of the good work being done um, and any sort of orientation to participation or what can I do mm-hmm. to help correct an injustice or live in solidarity with those in poverty or experiencing homelessness or survivors of trafficking or abuse. Like, I think we as the citizenry need to know who's leading in these areas and what can we do to align our lives to their work and support them with our gifts, talents, treasure, yeah, all of it. So we try to lead in that through story. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that you put that emphasis on story. And I think you said this: these narratives need to exist or they need to be told and understood and heard. And that strikes me because it strikes me that the magazine really does have a, a very conscious and intentional relationship with narrative. The stories that I've read on Bittersweet, they share an awareness of how stories in general just shape our sense of reality, mm. and how they can uphold certain structures and assumptions that build our individual and collective or societal minds, if you will. And uh, But then they also have a sense of how stories can transform these structures and assumptions. So I'd like to maybe drill down a little bit more on what is Bittersweet's take on, on the power of narrative, and more specifically even maybe, how is Bittersweet attempting to wield that power? Hmm. Interesting question. Our take on the power of narrative. I view story as something uniquely human. The act of listening and empathizing with another. um, The opportunity to learn of another's experience and be changed by that, be, be broadened by that, be deepened by that and enriched by that. I think that's uniquely human and I, I think that we live in a time when disconnection and isolation seem to be rising. And it, it kind of seems like it has risen in parallel with a self-centered worldview or a self-promoting culture where it's all about our story being shared and we're so focused on our, our image or our brand, our personal brand being elevated and we obsess over it 
and we that's in part sort of a trickle down celebrity culture sort of aspect but i i wonder if there's not something more beautiful and life-giving when we actually focus on the sto- on understanding and listening to the stories of others the stories of people who are not us and i think that the story specifically or a narrative helps translate statistics and facts into real connection in our souls in our hearts for the suffering of another or my unique ability to to participate in in a solution or mm-hmm. a hope or just being a presence mm-hmm. it gives us clarity but it moves us the way that statistics and data don't it's interesting you know because you can get in a lot of trouble when you're trying to tell other people's stories for them mm-hmm. it's not generally a great approach <laughs> so bittersweet uniquely part of our practice and we're always getting hopefully always getting better at this but we are intentional about trying to be transparent like invisible in the story process like elevating the voices that are not being heard um, and elevating the work that's not being seen but not putting our own selves at the center of it either not doing it in a way that is grandstanding you know and taking extracting i guess the stories of others from them but rather just trying to climb the scaffolding and repoint the spotlight to find things that will draw us toward a better future, which mm-hmm. is usually the examples in the trenches, those on the daily grind who are self-sacrificing and generously concerned for others. And we find them everywhere. So it's a lot of fun. And it just, it leads to more humility, I guess, on our side. So we try to move the microphone, I guess, a little closer to the voices that we think need to be heard. That's, we're just, that's kind of how I see it. We just carry the microphone to a different spot, mm. different vantage. Yeah, you put that really pithily, but it, it's so complex, isn't it? Like trying to have that microphone reoriented in a certain sense, it's a very radical action to sort of reorient our approach to, to storytelling to one that is not extractive of communities that have been marginalized by the wider society, you know? So, so I want to really, really ask you about this manifesto that Bittersweet oh, just released recently because that strong sense of intention, I think is really reflected in it. It kind of, the manifesto really breathes all these things that we've been just talking about over the last few minutes, but they're sort of distilled into three central tenets, which are very powerfully articulated, I must say. Bittersweet wants to reject cynicism, defy apathy, and celebrate good. So I'm wondering if we could go through each of these and could you describe their importance to the magazine? I, I want to know what was it about this triad of values that seemed mm. essential yeah. or indispensable to you? Uh-huh. And I why know. not some other, you know, triad or group of values or whatever? Sure. Uh, well, I hope you have like four hours. I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about this for a long time. So Bittersweet has been uh, doing this work for more than a decade now, 11 years. We just hit our 11-year mark. and. Uh, we've evolved quite a lot in our thinking during that time, but these three um, tenets, convictions really, ha- are what have emerged as essential and consistent. Even though our methodology has changed, our platform has changed, our deliverables have changed, we started actually in print with a quarterly zine sold at coffee shops around DC. Um, and then we moved to a broadsheet mag- like magazine newspaper that was also sold around DC, and then we transitioned into an online magazine. So it's, we've seen some different iterations, but those tenants have remained 
consistent in all of that varied expression. So starting at the top, reject cynicism. I do think that rejecting cynicism is an intentional choice that we all must make, and mm-hmm. we must make it on a daily basis in our culture. And it's not just the American culture, I wouldn't say. I think this idea has resonated globally everywhere that I have gone. People have felt a numbness to some degree or a sense of being overwhelmed by the range of issues, the enormity of issues and hardship. And uh, when you're talking about war or entrenched conflict or poverty, systems of of injustice and exploitation and abuse or even uh, devastation, like these are not small <laughs> things. No. And so the weight of them is 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 incredible. Mm-hmm. And and I think we have to cho- we have to keep choosing to believe that it's not winning. We have to choose to be part of a lighter narrative that keeps hoping that things can be better and that we can be part of that. But it is incredibly intentional and it's an act of resistance. Just that rejection of the popular narrative which would say my little is not enough. The drops in the bucket will never fill the bucket. Sure I can do something on this issue but then I know there are a hundred other issues and so what does it really matter in the end? Is anything meaningful. It's certainly easier to believe that your life is about you, but I think it's a lot more joy-filled and fun (laughs) (laughs) when you can begin to exercise a different intention. And that requires a rejection. It requires a rejection of the popular narrative that is of despair and confusion and fatigue. But you'll get sucked down that trail you know pretty fast if you just allow the the streams of content to wash over you constantly without any real muscle Mm -hmm. put into stopping that Mm -hmm. and saying oh yes and there's also this other world that i need to educate myself in which is how we get eventually to the good right how does that sit with you it certainly resonates with me i mean i would even think apart from resistance i i I would see it also as an act of construction yeah in a certain sense and building another lighthouse among the many lighthouses that are out there you know and drawing people into some sort of community of appreciation and engagement with what's what's actually good in the world Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's a very very important act to participate in and to draw others into participating in, both as like readers and storytellers and people interested in, in hearing about these things. You know, it's, it's interesting that like one of the images with our contributors, for example, they get a lot of life out of applying their craft, applying their artistic expression to these stories. They're given free reign and full autonomy mm-hmm. to create, mm-hmm. which is what they were in some ways made to do. They have these artistic gifts and talents, but they're not often invited with full permission to explore and to, you know, play. Right, you just Um, have to join the despair factory, right? Exactly, Yeah. like, and get get your paycheck, which is great. We all need, you know, paychecks, but there's also another way of creating. And when you can do it in community, I think it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So we're not just a small shop trying to produce our own content where actually it's an open invitation to those with creative skills and gifts to apply ourselves to a different narrative that can stop the overwhelming deluge of despair and build something else 
to counter it, to, to push back and offer another perspective. Yeah, and in talking about building something, it seems we naturally get into, um, what is it, defying, defying apathy. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right, and this yeah. is the, the idea that we can't be passive. There's a multi-billion dollar media machine creating the content that you consume. If you feel yourself weighed down by the content that you consume, then I would ask, how can you apply yourself to building a different narrative? We have to invest ourselves in this work. It's not going to be done for us. So we need to give ourselves our own permission to create this counter narrative because we need the oxygen. We need to know who's doing what, where is their hope, and how can I align myself to it? We need to know that, that there are others, but it takes incredible effort and discipline. It's not easy to keep doing that work. You know, it's a, it's a, there's a lot about it that's a grind. Particularly when it's running against the current of so much of what's modeled, right? Exactly. Yeah. And what gets paid for. Right. So defying apathy is action. It's when our conviction that there has to be another narrative, then it's accepting responsibility. We're building that narrative and committing ourselves to it when it's hard and not sexy, not making the top 10 of any list, but right. we know it's it's the disciplined, intentional work that needs to be created because it does orient us toward hope and towards change. And over time, I hope that it can also grow and influence and just give life. It's a constant giving narrative. So in that way, I feel like it's a joy. Yeah, and that again leads us right into your last one, which is celebrate. See the, how we do this? Yeah, this, this is, is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about that too is that these first two ones, they're they're really almost comments on what bittersweet is trying to avoid and what's mm -hmm. what's pre-existent that you don't want to do. And then this last one is sort of saying more, here is what we're about. We're about celebrating the good. Yes. What is what does that mean to you? Celebrate good is is that reorientation. It's the what do you find worthy of your words? What do you find worthy of your best effort? If you're going to apply your craft and your attention and your money and other people's money, if you're a nonprofit as we are, what's worth putting in your mouth? What's worth expressing? And so we look for the worthy and the, the dignifying, the narrative that pulls us together and celebrates our shared humanity that counters nihilism with love and meaning and purpose that's totally inclusive and ever-expanding. That's what's worth our time. It's worth our investments of self and life. And so it's, it's the definition of what is a bittersweet story compared to any other type of story. I think Kate's approach is just fascinating. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you'll stick around for the second part of my conversation with her. In the meantime, be sure to check out bittersweetmonthly.com for yourself to see if their approach resonates with you. I'm sure Kate would always be happy to widen her community of readers. Thanks again for listening, and again, stay tuned for part two.